0: On this week's episode, Ghostface slashes Spider-Man at the box office, Netflix says all of us are dead, and why is IGN surprised at how well Xbox is doing? All this and more, as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos.
1: Welcome. To the
0: Pop Culture Cosmos, and we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone that out there listening to all of our shows, and if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple and Spotify podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, Lakers Fast Break, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Game Source, Degenerate 2018 on Twitch, of course, our site, popculturecosmos.com, and the fact that we not only cover the latest news and trends of pop culture right there at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, plus we are the number one tabletop RPG streamer on Facebook with a number of great tabletop RPG gaming from the world of Dungeons & Dragons and more, you can check out the dozens and dozens and dozens of videos which equate to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of pure goodness for tabletop RPG streaming right there at the Pop Culture Cosmos. And if you can support all these great causes, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without a returning good friend. He is again the man behind Degenerate 2018 on Twitch. You gotta catch what he's doing today. Like I said, at Degenerate 2018 on Twitch. He's got a lot of gaming videos that's going on, and nobody streams video games better than he does. He's a good man indeed. He is the mastermind or one of them behind so many things that we've done when it comes to game source. It is a good friend. It is Jamie Monroy returning once again, and Jamie, good to have you back on the show.
2: So glad to be back. Thanks for having me back.
0: Yes, absolutely, great to have you back, my friend. I do want to go ahead and make sure to let everybody know what we're doing for today's show. We're doing a lot of great things, including Netflix saying all of us are dead. Is that really the case? We'll find out on the back end of the show. Plus, TJ Johnson is here. We had a great conversation on. Peacemaker, and The Book of Boba Fett. And I asked him the question if these are great additions to each of these series canon, or are they just streaming fodder? So he's going to answer that question on the back end of the show, plus also talk about Spider-Man as he, like Jamie, and I mentioned Jamie in our interview with T.J. Johnson about how Spider-Man No Way Home has affected him as well. So So that's coming up on the back half of the show. Plus, also, we're going to be talking about recent comments IGN made because they had a couple shows where they talked about their surprise at how close the current console race is between the Xbox Series S and X and the PlayStation 5. Mm -hmm. They were kind of surprised at the numbers, quite possibly, although no one has a real 100% number. Only Sony and Microsoft know that. But from the statements that were made on the latest New York Times podcast with the Xbox head that was on the show, plus also as well, you've got the estimates that have been made out by analysts all over the place saying that it could be a very close race between the two. Why is that a surprise? We'll talk about why it shouldn't be a surprise coming up on the show as well. Also, the show just ended that I know that a lot of people are talking about, and that's Yellow Jackets. Again, another hit for Showtime. That's back-to-back we're talking about Showtime. First time in a long time we've been able to talk about Showtime so consistently, especially after what happened with Dexter New Blood. They've got a season-ending series for a show that's going to be coming back for Season 2, and that is Yellow Jackets. We'll talk about that on the show as well. But first, my friend, it is your friend and mine, Ghostface with the returning Scream version 2022, as far as it's concerned. Yeah, Yeah. the Requel, Scream 5, whatever. It's Scream 2022. It was number one at the box office in the domestic marketplace, and it earned over a total of $35 million over the course of the holiday weekend. It looks like it's going to make its money back and then some because it only took $25 million to make. And then you add on whatever advertising costs, marketing, things of that nature. So it's got a little bit more ways to go to make everything back. But it looks like it's on its way of doing so, making a nice, tight little profit, because it doesn't even consider how much worldwide it can make. So I'd make right now at this pace right around $100, $150 million worldwide, maybe even $200 million, which would be a great win and a great return for Scream. But right now... Since it was the movie that you can answer this trivia question that it beat Spider-Man No Way Home at the U.S. box office, you can not say it's a great success. Your thoughts on Scream beating Spider-Man No Way Home? That's not considering that Spider-Man No Way Home in its fifth week still has earned $20 million here domestically and is now worldwide at over $1.6 billion. It is still earning a lot of chunk of change everywhere, even like I said, in its fifth week, so... But your thoughts on Scream becoming the number one champ here in the U.S.?
2: I I think it was inevitable. Like we were talking about the last show, people our age are going to see what's going to change, what happens, what's different. And then it's got that new blood. And I think that's it found a way home for Spidey. Spidey had a good run. Yes. Just over a month. That's you can't like you just said, you can't sneeze at the numbers still. And this
0: is not to say that with its current trend, the way it's uh, just decreasing rather lightly at this point in time in sales, that it might not retake the number one one spot next week. Unless, yeah, that's just actually, it's just before Uncharted comes out. So yes, it has another week to regain that position, which would be an amazing, pardon the pun, for that (laughs) movie to do. But it's something that, depending on the hold for Scream, could take place. So. It was about time that you know we got back into something like this once again. Halloween Kills did a very good job, yeah. get you know getting that audience in, no matter what you thought of the movie. And it seems like this horror movie in a time period that not all horror movies have hit like they once used to. It's nice to see that Scream actually paid off. It's worthwhile venture.
2: Oh, absolutely. You know, and hopefully it continues to pay off and. I can honestly say that it succeeded where where the Matrix even succeeded. You know, the Matrix movie where everybody kind of went, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" This isn't gonna it, it it hit with people, and it this it just hit. But I'm curious to see if this hit all at once, or if it's going to continue to grow, or continue to stay that.
0: I have a feeling it's going to have a little bit of a slide, but we'll see what happens again. We could easily see Spider-Man No Way Home retake the number one spot here domestically and mm. also worldwide, so we'll wait and see. As far as The Matrix Resurrections, I'm not sure if everybody's digging it. I know that movie unfortunately floundered at the box office. Yeah, It did okay for on HBO Max, but I don't think okay is going to cut it for something you spent supposedly a lot of money on. For the Matrix. I know it hit me, but it hit me in all the wrong places. That's and I'll leave it Mm at that. So I know that Spider Man No Way Home again has been a huge hit, and I suspect it will probably give Scream a run for its money next week. I think the decline using the second week, as we've seen with a lot of major movies, the decline is what you can usually guarantee at least fifty percent as far as from a movie from one week to the next in its first two weeks. Then you start seeing the slower declines of you know anywhere from 20 to 30%, sometimes even less. Sing 2 is actually holding on to its audience as it goes over $100 million domestically. So that's something that I think a lot of people need to be thinking about, that sometimes these movies hold the longer they're out in theaters. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, very interesting. Scream, getting that job done. Ghostface flashing its way through Spider-Man, No Way Home. So now you can answer the trivia question, what movie actually defeated Spider-Man No Way Home at the box office here in the U.S.? Did you catch Scream and Ghostface in the requel, the return of Scream for 2022? Please share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. There's still much more to talk about, my friend, on today's program. And again, on the back end of the show, I will have T.J. Johnson talking about the book of Boba Fett and peacemaker as well on hbo max wanted to ask you this real quick one of the shows that i know a lot of people are talking about is yellow jackets on showtime i had actually taken a shot at showtime not too long ago because i thought that it was a network that was really past its prime something in the age of streaming that i didn't think was going to be able to keep up i don't expect them to go ahead and be a challenger to netflix anytime soon but Obviously, they've been able to keep enough people around with Dexter New Blood. Who knows if there's going to be a spinoff? They need to check out our conversation last week for more on that. But Yellow Jackets, the story of a high school girls soccer team in the mid-1990s that suffers a plane crash. And it now flash forwards to today how some of the survivors are affected and also flashbacks to what happened then. Mm -hmm. with some pretty strange stuff that happened around the time that they don't really like to talk about, but now is rearing their head in 2022. The last episode dropped as we're talking about this, and I know a lot of people, a lot of people out there are talking about Yellow Jackets, much more so than I thought originally, but it's got a lot of Lost vibes. It's falling into that bit where you're seeing a little bit more horror element to this than maybe some of the other Airline crash shows that we've seen on broadcast television because they don't have to follow the same mm-hmm. rules in broadcast television. So, tell me your thoughts on what you've seen so far of Yellow Jackets.
2: I think with the season finale, it definitely left everyone with a lot of questions. Spoiler alert it implied that somebody that everyone thought was gone or dead was implied in this season finale that they're alive. I'm not going to say who, so it's not that big of a spoiler, but it does imply that someone that everybody thought was gone is now around. And that leads a lot of questions. I know that they did kind of a, how do I want to say this? Kind of a a Dahmer kind of thing. I know somebody may or may not have been eaten. Like,
0: who was it? Yeah, they did some pretty nasty stuff, I guess, during the course of the time that they were all stranded and, and waiting for help.
2: The show likes to toy with the element of supernatural.
0: Yes, I kind of like kind of like The Lord of the Flies in a way too. Is they have flashbacks mm-hmm. to back then when they were all stranded, waiting for help, and what they went through. The survivors did, and very heavy cult vibes. Yes, absolutely. There is
2: the very heavy cult presence if you did it
0: yes very lord of the flies ish yeah absolutely yeah yeah.
2: from i'm actually glad you said that though because it was bugging me because you know the whole antler
0: queen
2: and everything i was uh, bugging me about where i was getting this vibe from and when you said that that's exactly the vibe you're right
0: absolutely i'm not going to go into a a piggy and the conch which was the center of the lord of the flies i'm sure if you're watching the series now you can correlate as far as exactly what they take inspiration from the Lord of the Flies and what they don't. But I, I say it's it's been a good run. It's getting people talking, and that's what counts. Yeah. Differentiate this, though, for me, as far as another plane crash supernatural thing that happened with Manifest that oh, was yeah. a show on NBC that did not do as well as they had. Manifest was something that NBC heavily promoted. It was going to be something that they had a lot of hopes on. Didn't quite generate the kind of audience that they thought it would. Then it goes to Netflix. Boom. Everybody loves it. Now they're after so many people protested and so many people just had a petition signing and all that. Now that Netflix is going to go ahead and, oh, we're going to make a new season out of this one final season for Manifest. So differentiate for me, Yellow Jackets from Manifest, or can you when it comes to these two plane crash supernatural shows? I don't, I honestly,
2: I don't know if you can because manifest to me seems like that's a different side of that spectrum to where now you're speaking in my opinion, from what I remembered of what I watched it, because it was to me when it was on NBC it was a slow burn for me. Yeah. So I, I didn't keep up with it as much funny how that works out. Right. Netflix
0: picks it up and boom. Yeah. But <laughs> you know, it's much larger. But, audience that's able to go is captivating it's on the man right it. it was
2: all there at once you didn't have to yeah. play the weekly game and like i say it was a really slow burn i remember that but it was also a different side of a spectrum for me that it just seemed more how do i want to say it? i don't want to say futuristic but i want to kind of go that route to where it kind of just seemed a different side of the coin yeah so i, I really don't think you can differentiate the two even though they are it's the same coin but not the same coin
0: Yeah, they've got subtle differences, I think, and also the fact that, yes, there is this unspoken thing that's talked about as far as the five years of manifest that they were gone when it only seemed like a few minutes and now some weird stuff is happening because of it. But it's a little different with Yellow Jackets because they actually go into detail in regards to the incidents that took place right after the plane crashed. And actually, they go into it before, and and how they were so hopeful going into the soccer tournament that they were flying for, and so there are subtle differences I think between both shows, but they're both very interesting. I just mm-hmm. I don't want to see any more plane crash shows. Okay, after Yellow after i just said, I'm done with plane crash shows after this. Let me ask you a
2: question then, because I, you almost read my mind. I think. Do you think that both those shows? knowing how popular Lost was, said, let's just go and run with this vibe, and now enough is enough?
0: Quite possibly the case, because back in the day, if people aren't aware of Lost, was in a different era when there was not a streaming contender, when it was only cable and broadcast networks. Lost was the talk around the workplace every single episode of drop. I think it dropped on Monday nights, or was it Tuesday nights? Whenever it dropped. it was Mondays. Yeah, I think it was Mondays. The next day, people would be talking about it around the water cooler. Hey, did you oh, yeah. check out what happened? What about the numbers on this? What's going on with the strange lottery numbers? Well, even like,
2: references to it in movies. Like, Remember, what was it? This is 40? Yeah. Your daughter? Oh, but yeah. I can't watch Lost. She got all upset. She couldn't watch Lost on her yeah, tablet. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So... I know a lot of people don't like the way it ended. There's another show that <laughs> not, <nobody laughs> really liked the ending of it. But, right? but I want to hear your thoughts out there. What you think of Yellow Jackets? We really want to hear if you like what you've seen so far from the first season of Yellow and Jackets. What questions
2: you have, because I know it left a lot of questions.
0: That it did, that it did. But let us know, Pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos podcast. For the latest news and information, analysis, and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. Well, my friend, before we hit the break, I wanted to go ahead and ask you this. IGN last week on a couple different shows that they have, If you want to go to IGN.com, go forward and and check them out. But you'll get a pretty clear picture which shows that was. The individuals on the show were kind of surprised after coming up with what Phil Spencer, the boss of Xbox,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: was on the New York Times podcast recently and commented exactly how far, or generalities, how well Xbox is doing this current generation. He said that Xbox Series S and X are doing better than what any previous xbox generation has done which includes yeah, the 360,
2: 360 included
0: yes yeah, 360 included which was the most successful of any of the previous xbox generations above the xbox one and that's a long story in and of itself on how the xbox one didn't get to continue the success of the xbox Yes, a very interesting one indeed. Actually, if you go and check out the Xbox 6 Park documentary that they did that's now available on YouTube on the Xbox channel, it goes into detail on that. But I want to go ahead and ask you this. I mean, right now, like I said, he was on the show, the New York Times podcast, and alluded to how well they're doing. And analysts have gauged based off of somewhat recent stock reports and remissions by Sony about how well – The PlayStation 5 is doing. And the PlayStation 5 still has a lead, but the lead is not as large as everybody had assumed and thought based off the previous console generation, which the PlayStation 4 owned. Right now, it looks to be that both are in the mid-teens right there as far as millions shipped and millions sold. So I ask you this, my friend. The IGN personalities that actually were talking about this, for the Mm -hmm. most part, seem surprised. Should you be? Because right now, with what the Xbox offers with the Xbox Games Pass, which is the best deal in gaming, and I say this as someone who has PlayStations, who has Nintendos, who has Xboxes, I have all of them, but I just don't have this generation yet, and I'm still shopping on which one I want, but the Xbox Games Pass has been an incredible value for gamers. Seeing that's how the case, and that PlayStation does not have something concurrent, That's as good a value because PlayStation Now certainly is nowhere near that. I want to hear your thoughts. Should it be really that much of a surprise?
2: I, I don't think it should be that much of a surprise, especially considering Game Pass as a whole. I mean, Game Pass revolutionized a lot. You have Game Pass for PC, Game Pass Ultimate. Just as a whole, I can have my Xbox... I'm the same boat you're in. I don't have the new gen yet, but, you know, eventually, maybe. I don't know which way I'm going yet either, but I have prior gens, everything else, up even to the fancy little Halo Edition Xbox. (laughs) I remember those. My PC, I love running my Xbox Game Pass. I play so many games on my PC through my Xbox Game Pass. It's just amazing. And I can't say that I have anything comparable to that for PlayStation, unfortunately. You know, what, remote play? That just doesn't cut it for me. It's yeah. not the same and it doesn't work as well. I agree that that's a big one it's a big big selling point for Xbox and Microsoft. I think Sony's trying to push something a little themselves at just not doing it the right way. I know just recently I think as of maybe today or yesterday was that they had ps3 games started popping up in the ps5 store but I mean is that enough?
0: Yeah, but you have to rebuy them
2: right and the, and the that's is- not enough.
0: And the thing is, with their first-party titles that they come up like Ratchet & Clank, or what's coming up in the future with Horizon mm-hmm. Forbidden West, then you have Gran Turismo 7. Those right. games that come up, you have to pay 60 oh, excuse me, with a PS5 version, $70 each one in order to go ahead and play it. Whereas, well, speaking of
2: those, is it going to be worth it, or are you going to be buying a PS4 Pro to play those on Because it's still going to be on that version as opposed to being
0: able to even get a PS5. That's because they now realize, in fact, they restarted production on PlayStation 4s because they can't produce PlayStation 5s in the amount that they need to go ahead and take care of the demand currently on it. But again, you now have to purchase their first-party games separately. Returnal, Mm -hmm. Ratchet & Clank, like I said, the upcoming God of War. All of those you have to purchase separately. So you're talking at least $350, Possibly $400 worth of first party games that you will have to buy on your PlayStation 5, as opposed to what you can do if you're an Xbox Games Pass owner on a PC or an Xbox Series S or X, which yeah. is my conclusion. Like, for instance, Starfield coming up later this year, which is now because of Bethesda and that they've been bought out by Microsoft, is now going to be a first party game. Yeah. It will be free as part of the Xbox Games Pass. Sure, you can spend $70 on it, but why would you if you're already paying the X amount a month, you're already paying for Xbox Games Pass? Which leads me to what I'm trying to say now, is value in gaming means a whole lot, and gamers usually don't have a lot of cash on hand, usually. So I'm saying this right now, that it shouldn't be as much of a surprise as it is, because PlayStation... For all of what it's done and all the things that the PlayStation 4 did right, the PlayStation 5 is not necessarily doing wrong. It's just not doing enough right in order to go ahead and substantiate itself as a definitive clear leader so far in this generation.
2: Yeah, I I agree. It's definitely not doing anything differently. That's making everybody, at least not making me go,
0: "Ooh,
2: yeah, you know, I really need to go that route.
0: And I know the PlayStation 5s are still selling out. You can't get them anywhere. The Xbox Series Xs are almost as rare and just seem to be seemingly just as extinct right now when it comes to trying to be able to get one. The Xbox Series S of any of this current console generation seems to be the one that you can actually go and find and go and get. But to a lot of gamers, they want to spend the full $500 like myself and get one that actually has the full capability. So I'm waiting until I can get my hands on it next. But it is that value that I think that gives, and I think that if PlayStation still continues to ignore it, or unless they come up with something soon by E3, or maybe sometime during this year, that's comparable. If they don't, eventually everyone's going to catch on to this. And the worldwide sales of the... PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X may become even more even in the not too distant future.
2: Yeah, that's true. I mean, I can't argue with the the Game Pass's value at all. I pay for the year and I mean, to be able to play games and not have to have that buyers remorse sometimes if I just spent 60 bucks on a game, beat it in 2 hours, and now I don't know what to do with it. So if I go back to GameStop with it, they're just going to give me 20 bucks for something I just spent 65 on. So, you know, uh, I'd rather spend $60 on a year of Game Pass and play what I want. And not only that, they get so many games that come out day one.
0: Absolutely. Not only just first-party games that come to it, but there's a lot of third-party games that they have agreements with, indie yeah. games that they actually make agreements with. There's actually a lot of uh, classic games from the past that they bring out as far as that are either, what, backwards compatible that they make, or if they go ahead and they just go and bring out some stuff that they, you know, last year, mass effect legendary edition. Yeah. This month became part of the Xbox games pass. If you ha- have never ever purchased a mass effect game, but you've always thought about it. There is no reason why now as an Xbox series S or X owner with an Xbox games pass, why you shouldn't because it's actually free with the service. Those are just it's reminding
2: little... me of that. That's the other plus that you get yeah, EA yeah. games with your Xbox Game Pass now as well. Selected
0: ones, and then again, I don't expect Mass Effect Legendary Edition to be on there forever. It's probably going to be going away oh, at some right. point. It is like a Netflix service that there will be like these third-party games and even some of their first-party games will be leaving at a certain point in time. So once it's on the service, play it as soon as you can. But I'm just saying that the value right now of the Xbox Series S and X with the Xbox Games Pass makes it a closer race. And I don't see it getting widened until I see PlayStation come up with something just as consistent and just as valuable as what Xbox is doing right now.
2: If anything, we're going to see Microsoft possibly take a little bit of a lead.
0: We could. We could. I'm not so sure yet. A lot is riding on Starfield. If Starfield is a massive hit and return for Bethesda to the top of the food chain after the debacle of Fallout 76,
2: <laughs>
0: then absolutely. If it's like Elder Scrolls Skyrim and it just, you know, it's become a major hit for this decade, Starfield does, then there you go. It's got to look and play good. So if it does, this could be a massive holiday hit for Xbox and could do something that even Halo Infinite couldn't do, and that is put the xbox series s and x over the top in this race by years end possibly but you know that's, that's still mean. there's still a lot of work there for xbox and playstation to do so let's we just want to hear- hope
2: this game isn't fully like skyrim though i don't want to see starfield everywhere
0: once they get it going, they probably will try to put it on every single platform once they've already made their money on the Xbox. so
2: As long as it's not in my car or, like, you know, 10 years from now I can play it in, like, some random place, I'm okay with it.
0: Or that. on your watch or whatnot. But right. you got to remember, you know, they're they're choking a lot of money by just putting it directly on Games Pass. People got to remember yeah. that Microsoft is footing the bill for a lot of money when they put a game that directly on Games Pass, especially when it comes day one, so... People got to put that in mind as well, the kind of value that they're getting with this. So I know it's been very pro sure. Xbox, but your PlayStation owners, I see a lot of the reactions online that you get upset that you can't have something right now like Xbox Games Pass. So we mm-hmm. want to know out there what are your thoughts on this current console race and why it's so close? Is it just Xbox Games Pass or is it something more? Please let us know. Pop Culture Cosmos. Ed Coming up next is T.J. Johnson talking about Peacemaker and also the Book of Boba Fett and if they should be included on the canon for each of the series or are they just fodder for these streaming services? Find out his answer plus his thoughts on Spider-Man No Way Home as we go ahead into the back half of the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. but we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that and of course our action figure spotlight. So check out the J and Rob Toy Show Season 2 exclusively on Jinx eSports TV Canada. Alright, we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. Gerald coming right back at you here. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Truly appreciate it. You know, it is right now a time in streaming land where there's some stuff out there that is pretty good. And there's some stuff out there that's out there let's just put it that way a couple of those shows that are out there are peacemaker and the book of boba fett which are getting mixed reactions from all over the internet for various reasons and the thing i wanted to ask was so far these episodes have been again all over the place are these shows actually continuing successfully the dc and star wars canon Or are they just streaming filler? That's the major questions I want to ask out there. And the man to answer those questions, hopefully, is a good man indeed. He has been with this show off and on for what he would tell you probably too many years. But it's always great having him on. It is my good friend, Mr. TJ Johnson. And TJ, good to have you back, my friend. You are a consummate pop culture phenomenon when it comes to how you consume pop culture. Man, there's no one better as far as animation that I go to than you, my friend. Great to have you here and great to have you back. And congratulations once again.
1: Thank you, brother. It's it's been a long time coming. Uh, You made it very clear. Whenever you're ready, come on back. And I'm I'm grateful that it was able to happen so quickly. I mentioned you today and here we are 24 hours later almost. But we were able to get it done. So thank you, brother. Thank you for having me back on.
0: Well, I told you, it's always great to have you on. I appreciate your insight of whatever it's been, whatever subjects we touch on, Marvel, DC, whatever we've touched on over the years, you've had such great insight. And this is something I wanted to talk to you about, again, because the current television shows from DC and Star Wars in the book of Boba Fett and Peacemaker currently right now on HBO Max and Disney Plus, respectively. And I will start off with The Book of Boba Fett. I know I've heard a lot of people call it The Book of Sloba Fett, or
1: just,
0: <laughs> just these all these names to associate it with that the show and the series is going at a very slow pace. The latest episode had some things in there. It is, it's directed, the showrunner, by Robert Rodriguez, who everybody knows out there. He's done a lot of great things, especially his work with Quentin Tarantino, of course. Mm-hmm. He's done a great job. Mm-hmm. In fact, he did a great episode, one of the best episodes of season two of The Mandalorian. So Mm -hmm. he comes already with a great knowledge of the Mandalorian and Star Wars universe. And everybody had such high hopes being that Boba Fett is such a beloved character in the Star Wars universe. And he's grown beyond that cult status, I think. A lot of people were excited to see him in The Mandalorian. It just seems right now, going into his backstory, dealing with a lot of the flashbacks, His time learning the culture of the Tusken Raiders, who I'm not sure everybody really cared about learning more about. Right, right. And then seeing him now trying to slowly build his underground mob he wants to create as far as it's concerned. The power that he wants to gain, the control over Moss Eisley and, and the whole Tatooine landscape he wants to control over. It just seems like it's really a slow burn. A lot of people are just like, eh, not really loving what I'm seeing. <laughs> but it's the only thing on Disney Plus right now. Your thoughts first on the Book of Boba Fett. I mean, have you been hearing this from a lot of other people? Because I'm seeing it all over the internet. I'm still giving it a passing grade, but there's a lot of tropes that have gone through. And I've discussed this on the show already, what i am not been really thrilled with. But I want to hear your thoughts so far first on the Book of Boba Fett.
1: Well, Gerald, you mentioned that it was Star Wars canon, and I would coin the term as Star Wars canon fodder. Here is what I, <laughs> here's what I mean by that. The book of Boba Fett, or the book of Slobo Fett, as as you've uh, elected to call it, which is actually really really funny. I think I might use that one going forward. But the book of Boba Fett has, to my understanding, been very very slow, and and here's where this streaming war thing starts to take a turn you remember we talked a couple years back about one and we had conversations back and forth in regards to if it's too slow what's too slow does our society now still value serialized content right i think we're starting to kind of see some more of that here where there's trying to expand this star wars universe which is great right everybody loves star wars and Granted, you can say what you want to say about the the last set of, uh, of movies, the last set of trilogy movies, or the last two sets of trilogy movies. It doesn't change the fact that people still love their Star Wars. They love their Star Wars content and they love learning more about the little characters, right? The bad ones. And now that we're starting to kind of see more of the Star Wars universe and the mythos, we're, we're hungry for content. Here's where that starts to turn on us, though. We're hungry for this content and we want this content, but now you've got to fill this backstory. And granted, they have Literature that can fill the backstory. You've got comic books and different books that can fill the literature. But now, when you're trying to adapt it to a medium uh, that we're going to consume, the way that we consume now, it doesn't always translate. Unfortunately, with the book of Boba Fett, it just seems like it's becoming very, very drawn out. They've extending it. They're extending the series to make it even longer. Which, if you watch game of thrones you know that's not a good idea if you're going to end it end it when it needs to be ended don't drag it out because you for the sake of dragging it out because originally um, was supposed
0: to be four episodes and they've made it mm-hmm. out to seven
1: yeah it's usually just a sign that they need something to continue filling which is not a good sign but the flip side to that is because they've extended it now you have room for it to improve the same thing that we noticed with wandavision right it, it kind of got it was stretched and, you know, weren't 100% sure, 100% on board. And then the last couple of episodes kind of stepped it up and made it almost worthwhile. So it's still, there's still a chance that it can be redeemed. But we just have to remember that we live in a day and age where people consume media in such a different way than what we might have grown up consuming media as. Uh, we were okay with serialized content. We were okay because we didn't have such instant, we didn't have this this desire for instant gratification, right? I want all my information right now. When I watched the season of You, I watched the entire season. I didn't watch an episode a week. I watched all my episodes of You right then and there. So I got to binge watch the entire thing. People want to do that um, as opposed to having this serialized content because they want the end game. Everybody is into what's going to happen at the end. So there's still time. I guess it's my way of saying, you know, I, it's slow. Sure, I get it. A lot of things start off slow. WandaVision started out slow. Captain uh, Winter Soldier, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier started out slow. A lot of them start out slow. Doesn't mean that they were bad, but they just kind of started out slow. So with Boba Fett, because he's such a love character in Star Wars mythos, um, I, I can't see in any way, in any world, where they would not find a way to do that character justice. I, I just, I can't see it as a Star Wars aficionado. I don't want to see that. I'm hoping that they figure out a way to make it work and they've got time. So don't give up on Boba Fett quite yet.
0: Oh, no, and I'm, I'm going to continue to watch it. I know for <laughs> a lot of people though, that some of the criticisms have been like, Oh, okay. I watched all I needed to watch in the first episode in the first 10 minutes where you find out exactly <laughs> what happened to Boba Fett right in, after the events of return of the Jedi. So after the Sarlacc. Yeah, exactly. After the Sarlacc pit. And that's it. That's all I needed to watch. But him trying to grow his underground empire for me initially was something very intriguing. But the thing is when you don't devote the entire time to it
1: mm-hmm. and you
0: go back into these flashbacks that are just mm-hmm. stretching these episodes out to a, a, a creature, I guess that the Tuscan Raiders were, you're just not, you know, a lot of people just did not associate interest with the tuscan raiders and i'm going to say yeah. that right now right yeah. out there and and i think a lot of people are just like okay why should i care what about the tuscan raiders right you've not made you've not made us care about the tuscan raiders for decades then all of a sudden now you want us to mm-hmm. where you know where are we going with this and it's just like to me i thought it was all right that we're taking a closer look and inside the world of the tuscan raiders it's just I get why people are, are out there that are saying this all over the, the social media and the fact that it is slow. And then the, the elements of him trying to build an underground regime, it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of, those elements are not still clicking as well. So, yeah, yeah you know, it, and as you, and I'm sure that we watch the episodes will hopefully we'll see better and better and more developed. I, I know I've gone on episodes in regards to my concern but still, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm going with it. And I know a lot of other people still are as well. But the problem is right now with Disney Plus, that needs a whole bunch of content to match their biggest rival, Netflix. They just don't have that much. Ice Age, the new movie that's coming out that's going straight to Disney Plus, that'll be a little bit of a help. They have the recent mm-hmm. stuff that they had with Beatles Get Back. But, you know, when Netflix just bombards you with stuff every two weeks, that Mm -hmm. you need to catch up on it's tough it's tough it's It's really tough for hbo max or disney plus to or you know anyone else for that matter in the streaming game to to try and keep up with hbo max i mean they just got off the highly successful euphoria which did a Mm -hmm. great job in season two got huge numbers for hbo max and they come into it now with james gunn's peacemaker as a continuation of the events of the Suicide Squad. And I like John Cena in this role. Some of the roles that he's had over the course of the past few years since he started acting on a more full-time basis have been hit or miss. This one in the Suicide Squad I thought was a really big hit for him. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really uh, attuned to his talents. Now seeing him in this type of scenario where you're trying to build a series around him it's a little bit of a tougher watch your thoughts of what you're hearing or what your thoughts on evaluating peacemaker. It's obviously touching a lot of people the wrong way with uh, peacemaker's father, who let's say is uh, someone that is meant to be very unlikable for a lot of different reasons, but mm-hmm. it's also leading to a story that you're supposed to connect with as far as what he's investigating with the team that's we're now working with him that Amanda Waller has been has assigned out there to work with him on, and the, the task that they're dealing with now in the fact that they're trying to find and get all, you know, understand what's going on with all these butterflies, quote unquote, in this butterfly pod project, I just don't, it just doesn't, you know, it's just not mm-hmm. appealing to me 100% on it either. It's not clicking with me, and I yeah. know it's not clicking with a lot of other people out there, yeah. so your thoughts on Peacemaker as well?
1: Yeah, I think you pretty much hit the nail right on the head there. It it, it goes more into the same territory we're talking about with, with Boba Fett. It's just not what people are – it's not what people were expecting. It's not what people are looking for. I think when you look at a character like John Cena's Peacemaker, which in Suicide Squad I thought was probably one of the best parts of Suicide Squad. Uh, yeah. just his, his banter, his back and forth. His, I mean, I it seemed like it was a role that was almost meant for a John Cena, who's always been this kind of all-American – kind of guy and as far as his WWE persona. So it was funny to see him be this R-rated superhero. Goofy guy. That's just not how we knew him in the WWE. He was always very stoic, very, you know, almost Hulk Hogan and say your prayers, eat your vitamins. He was very much that persona in the WWE. So to see him transition uh, now to being a more of an actor and less of a WWE superstar and taking on a role that's so contradictory to who he was, was a lot of fun, uh, admittedly. So when you have the initial idea of peacemaker, you're like, okay, well he was he was good in in justice or not just in Suicide Squad. And he was kind of a nice little side character, if you will. The thing about side characters though is if they're not done correctly, um when you try to make side characters main characters, yeah. It 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 becomes a joke that gets reused over and over again. And then you're kind of like okay, well watch better in small doses small doses exactly and the problem that i believe we're going to be running into with peacemaker is that he as a character is good in small doses but when you revolve an entire show around him he needs to be more than, than 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 jokes he needs to be more than what he was in suicide squad and from all intended purposes that's not who he is in peacemaker's show he's just the same Character that he's been, and it's only fun for a little while, right? Like, you only enjoy that for a little bit, and then it's like, okay.
0: When the best character is an eagle, yeah, that's uh, that's telling you something, right? That's a
1: problem. That's a problem. That's That's a a problem. problem. Yeah,
0: (laughs) yeah, well, the thing is, we just got off a show on Disney Plus called Mm -hmm. Hawkeye that did Mm -hmm. such a tremendous job of fleshing out a character that nobody and i would say no but the very few people had cared about over the course of a 10-year marvel span because i've mm. heard so many people said i never cared about hawkeye and then i watched mm. the hawkeye series and i was blown away i've heard mm. this time and time and time again and i thought the series itself it was a very good representation yes. of what the marvel cinematic universe on a ground level can be all about and the stories that it tells and the characters that it expanded upon that will now have a life of their own in their own series or other series because mm-hmm. of what happened in Hawkeye. I think that it did everything it needed to accomplish, and that's why I called it Marvel's best series last year overall. I just don't mm-hmm. see – coming off that high, and I understand that that Book of Boba Fett was initially getting better ratings than Hawkeye, even though Hawkeye over the course of the holiday season started to grow its audience. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's still Hawkeye, it seems to be the far superior product and coming off that high that a lot of people had going into the world of Boba Fett. And then now with Peacemaker, if they're really like a superhero fan and they needed to hop from one to the other, it seems like that it's almost coming down from that high you've had from a really good series. And sometimes that's a bitter pill to swallow, even if these shows are not bad, even if their shows are just okay.
1: Yes, and I I don't disagree with you, but I want to put things in a little bit of context here. To be fair, we've had the opportunity to grow with Hawkeye for the last 10 years, right? So we've gotten to see Hawkeye from his first cameo in Thor, and then we got to experience more of Hawkeye in, in Avengers, and we've gotten to dive more into this character of Clint Barton, who he is, his family, what he's about, so on and so forth. To be fair, Hawkeye has earned that spot Hawkeye has earned the ability for us to look back at and, and, and reflect on him as a character that we've grown with over these last 10 11 12 years and really see the evolution of that character where he came from how things have happened in the MCU have affected him how they're going to continue to affect him moving forward and you know where he is now we didn't have that with Peacemaker so it, it's, it's to me it's justifiable to understand from a streaming world aspect that Disney had this Hawkeye and that was really great. But it's hard to compare it to Peacemaker because we just got Peacemaker and we didn't really earn that mini-series, right? We haven't had the history with Peacemaker. We haven't had the, the time to grow with Peacemaker. And then, you know, again, using Hawkeye as the example, while he was not the most favorite Avenger, I know for me personally, he was one that, while I didn't know enough about going into the series, I definitely wanted to know more about because you've got these almost, you know, godlike people who are doing these fantastical things. And then you've got Hawkeye and you've got Black Widow who are ground level to say the least yeah. and who are, for all intents and purposes, the least powerful Avengers, right? But they're still right there. They're still in the thick of it and they're still just as important 10, 11, 12 years later than they were when they first started. So with Hawkeye, is different. And it's not that you're not that you're wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong for using that comparison. But Hawkeye, we earned. We really did earn the right to have that series. We earned, and he earned that adoration. If we would have had an Avengers film first, and then obviously we went to a Hawkeye spinoff, people might have watched it. But I don't think that they would have appreciated it the way they appreciate it now, especially not knowing how his life changed after Endgame, the death of Natasha, how he has to try to push on and move forward. Hawkeye hit a lot of different notes that we really needed it to, and then the transition from that to Boba Fett Peacemaker, where it's just a slower grind. And the people that really love, for instance, Boba Fett, are our generation, right? The generation that came before me, your generation, because you guys have grown up with that character, that mythos of who is Boba Fett and he's his bounty hunter. Granted, some of the newer generations, while they know of the name Boba Fett, they didn't grow up on the original trilogy. They didn't grow up understanding who Boba Fett was or the mythos behind Boba Fett prior to just really hearing the name, maybe seeing some things on YouTube every now and then, maybe not having that same fandom that they do that our generations would, the generations that yeah. have actually watched Boba Fett. So it's it's a different day and it's a different age and you have to know your audience. And I think Disney, by and large, does a good part, does a good job doing that. But knowing that you know most of the people that knew and are curious about who Boba Fett is are 40 50 they're the older generation that has already kind of had him as this is this absolute best mercenary and with peacemaker you know we really just we didn't we didn't earn a miniseries with them so for them to have jumped to a miniseries with him so quickly i can just i can understand how people are kind of off put by it because it's just not it's like all right he was cool but why do we why do we need this is the question that you, you come to ask yourself you're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial! Wait, do, do people still use dials?
0: If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas strip, or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. Once again, it's TJ Johnson, very insightful knowledge again on the world of pop culture no one better that I talked to when it comes to pop culture than Mr. TJ Johnson. But I get it. I, I understand it. Cause like you said, we didn't have an, enough time with Peacemaker, nor am, am I sure that people wanted more of Peacemaker in that sense. I mean, seeing him in another suicide squad movie. Sure. Yeah. And seeing that, that resolution and arc about how he's feel, felt guilty about what he did to Rick flag. Great. But yeah. I think those are stories that could have been told in a, Suicide Squad sequel not just told out and drawn out over the course of a episode arc a 10 episode arc what have you so again we're going to go and and plug through it and go through it but I know the initial reactions online by by a lot of people have been very mixed with both Peacemaker and the book of Boba Fett but my friend I'm glad you've been able to clarify it for a lot of people out there I know you're going to come back anytime you want. Yeah. The red carpet is always open, but I know you're an extremely yeah. busy individual. So the red carpet is like open whenever you want to. So that's why I nice. told you on such short notice.
1: Nice. But any
0: last thoughts, my friend, on the way out?
1: I have to ask you one question. Sure. I have to ask you, and I'm, and I'm sure you've covered it on the show. So please forgive me for, for retreading water here. But no way home. Mm-hmm. What did it do What did it do for you personally? Because I could tell you about all it did for me personally but I want to know what it did for you personally.
0: Well, what I've known of you, my friend, over the years, Spider-Man is No Way Home has been, the Spider-Man series and IP has something you've been connected with more. And I can tell you this as someone who knows two other individuals that I've hosted the show with, with Jamie and Josh, who are also diehard Spider-Man fans and how that was so meaningful to them this collective 20 years of Spider-Man all coming together. And I actually enjoy that part of it myself. The journey to get there was rough, especially the beginning of the movie. There was a little yeah. bit of corny stuff, the jokes mm-hmm. falling flat, things mm-hmm. of that nature was kind of rough to get over. But once you got there, once you got to the Statue of Liberty, yeah. it really fell into place and I really enjoyed myself. So yeah. I gave the movie a passing grade and actually is a pretty good movie. But yeah. just getting there, getting there <laughs> yeah. was kind of rough, kind of corny, kind of, okay, we've done this now for a couple movies, so we can pretty much get away with whatever we want to. And the problem mm-hmm. is he, sometimes you can't to a general audience, but obviously people are loving the fact that, you know, everything came together. I love the fact that they've redeemed Andrew Garfield's character. Yes. I love the fact that they Toby Tobey Maguire's, Maguire's character. I love the fact that they appreciated everything from... From all the previous Spider-Mans. Willem Dafoe killed it in his role. Loved all of that. The journey yeah. there, again, was a little bit rough. But once it got there, it clicked. And that's why so many people are going back to get seconds and thirds. And that's yeah. why it's garnered over a $1.6 billion worldwide. And seemingly will end up being one of the most successful movies of all time. And actually, if you consider it, you'll have to consider it now during the times yeah, that we're okay. in. Maybe... I don't want to say the most successful, but my gosh, you could have an argument for calling it one of the, actually the most successful movie of all time because of its current climate that we're now
1: in. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think the beginning of that film was, uh, it was fun, but it was very paint by the numbers. I thought the setups, was, it was very, very easy to see how this is all coming together, right? And if, even if you backtrack and go back to all the, the leaks and the potentials, will they, won't they, with Andrew Garfield, Toby McGuire, are they in the film? Andrew Garfield having to repeatedly lie about it and repeatedly say I've not, I have not been contacted, so on and so forth. It was rough getting there, but I, I got to tell you, man, when I seen them all come together, when they, they they did the spell and they called to see Peter, and then you had know, all these Peters start showing up. Um, something in me jumped, right? Oh, something, yes. just something in me exploded. It was very end game. The way it elicited such a response from me. I think everybody played their roles well. I I, I didn't understand how some of the characters were completely reimagined, like Jamie Foxx's Electro. I don't understand how they did that or how they didn't understand or how, you know, I, I, they they pulled the lizard from whatever particular point in the timeline he was in when they pulled him, which I, I thought was very, very weird that they didn't have certain knowledge of certain things. And some characters, Alfred Molina, did have certain people dying. It was a weird how they decided to pick and choose what parts of the timeline they wanted to recognize. But anyways, I digress. Having that moment on the Statue of Liberty, the newly remade Statue of Liberty with Captain America's shield, right? Was actually really, really cathartic for, for me because one, I wanted to see what a Spider-Man forward Toby McGuire would have looked like. I wanted to see how life, how life affected that Peter Parker. And I wanted to see what happened with Andrew Garfield after he lost Gwen Stacy. I think it was important that we have that closure for that particular character especially now that he's been the one to save. i mean i know we're spoiler territory but yeah. uh now that he was the one that, that saved mj how much he needed that and i didn't think i realized how much i needed to see him do that as an actual fan of the amazing spider-man i thought the amazing spider-man had some opportunity to grow but i didn't think it was terrible i think that they just went with the whole dark knight reboot stage where everybody was dark and gritty and unnecessarily so Considering that Spider-Man is, is this beautiful, bright hero. Now that they've tipped that hat, I think it's going to be hard for Sony to put that genie back in the bottle. I think they have to see what that is about. I think they have to kind of go into that a little bit. I don't, I don't think you're going to be able to get away with just mentioning it one line and and, and not diving into it even further. So, I don't
0: think they want to. I think that's another money-making opportunity for them that it's I, so huge yeah.
1: Yeah. like that that is a series that is a spin off show 10 episodes i will eat up 10 episodes of the amazing spider-man all day
0: tj johnson always great having you on the show my friend
1: but Appreciate any it,
0: last man. thoughts on the way out or any way that people can reach out to you on social media Yeah
1: they can catch me on pop culture cosmos because I'm not doing anything else right now. That's a good thing for me to hear. That's for sure. Amen. Amen. But I I appreciate the time and and thanks for always welcoming me back with open arms man. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah. You know, it, my friend, always great having you here. Always appreciate everything that you bring as far as your insight and knowledge in pop culture. Looking forward to bringing you on back on whenever you want right here at the pop culture. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with the show, it's the Pop Culture Cosmos. I want to thank so much TJ Johnson for stopping by on the program, but before we head on out, my friend, Netflix says all of us are dead. And it's from the great folks in South Korea once again. I'm telling you, what they're doing there in that part of the world as far as creating entertainment is just mesmerizing. The shows that they're bringing out, and it's not just Squid Game. It brought out a ton of shows afterwards the success of Squid Game, trying to repeat the success of Squid Game. Almost every one of them have become a hit. It's a TV all-
2: series, drama TV series out of South Korea, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's a drama TV series. It's out of South Korea. I saw the trailer the other day. It's All of Us Are Dead. I don't know how much of a drama it is. Maybe you can go ahead and equate it to The Walking Dead, but for what they showed off in the trailer, it all takes us one person getting bit by one experimental mouse, and it's it goes there. Yep, yep, and Chain Reaction, it goes from there. So your thoughts on All of Us Are Dead on the way out?
2: I'm really excited and intrigued for this. I, you know, It's going to kick off on January 28th. That's when it's scheduled to air. It's actually, I don't know if you know this, it's based off a webtoon, actually Ooh. called Now at Our School, that was published between 2009 and 2011.
0: A lot of stuff is so popular with us here and all over when it comes to their shows and entertainment. I mean, you've seen Parasite, Oscar ton of cash at the box office you saw squid game captivate audiences last year and become one of the best shows on television period and now you could see the same thing again with all of us are dead so netflix yeah you gotta credit netflix for actually going into the marketplace and working with all these great entities over in south korea and just saying you know what we want to make a deal with you and we want to promote it on a platform that nobody else has and I just got to give Netflix all the props on that. I know Netflix
2: platform with that. So kudos to them, like you're saying for doing that.
0: Absolutely. But yes, I mean, for all you zombie lovers out there, all of us are dead at
2: the end of the month. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So this could be the refresher for those who have kind of tired themselves on the walking dead. This could be a return to the apocalyptic zombie saga that so many of us enjoyed for so many years with the walking dead. So Do you believe Netflix when they say all of us are dead? The upcoming series coming later this month to Netflix. Please let us know. Popculturegospels at yacht.com. I think I'm alive. I think.
2: For now. It's not the 28th yet, so.
0: Okay. All right. I'm hoping that that's the case. We have time. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm hoping I'll be alive till then. Gotta (laughs) be alive to watch it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So for Jamie Monroy, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pomp Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great.